Welcome back to the Inspired Autistic Youth Mental Health Empowerment with CZ, where we are empowering youth by being caringly curious. Hi everybody, welcome back to the EDA podcast. Thank you for joining. Today, um, our topic of conversation is about the life of CZ. Um, just to let you know, there is a trigger warning. We are going to be talking about suicidality and self-harm, so please do bear that in mind. So ZZ, could you tell us about your story? Sure. So um, this is a little um, snippet from my book um, that uh, I'm publishing later this year. Um, So I'll go. I weave pain into words like a tapestry. I sit here, hopeless with a collapsed spirit as I'm obliged to express penitence for neurobiological underpinnings of madness which are far beyond my control. I'm made to comply with the societal paradigm of wanting to live. See, that's what I wrote when I was at the peak of my suicidality and psychosis. My dysfunctional childhood alluded to my autism. My autistic brain believed that eating grass would help me fit in. I experienced a kind of autism which is hardly talked about. Autism that encompasses emotion dysregulation, meaning an inability to express and communicate communicate emotions safely and appropriately, and self-harm due to sensory overload and to get a care response. I exhibited extreme suicidal reactions to only mildly distressing situations. I felt emotions way too intensely. I'd often detach from reality in what I would call my mind palace. Some clinicians call this dissociation or a personality disorder. Others would call it autism. In actuality, it was both. I always struggled with feeling isolated and different ever since I was young. This was because I was different. Essentially, it was because I was autistic. I used to get into trouble when I was younger for being very literal. I made accidental allegations against teachers because I was so literal in my thinking. Um, One day my parents were telling me my human rights and telling me to report abuse. They said, if anybody you don't like touches you, tell somebody. The next day my least favorite teacher tapped me on the shoulder and I made an allegation of abuse. I didn't mean to get people into trouble, I just ended up misinterpreting information and that was born from my autism. I started self-harming at the age of 11 after being subjected to cultural trauma. My, my family, they did an exorcism on me and it made me really angry at the world. It, it, you know, I thought I was going to die that day. My parents didn't know how scared I was. I cut, cut off any potential relationships and had a trauma response from it. After becoming suicidal, I would stop eating to cope, but that was more of a trauma response. Um, I went to A&E about 10 times for suicide attempts. Finally, I went to inpatient and tricked the doctors. I faked it till I made it. I took really big overdoses and ended up on drips. I became suicidal at age 14 and was admitted to psychiatric inpatient units for four years during the ages of 14 to 18. I was in intensive care units and secure units uh, for CAMS all across the country. It was In total, it was about eight units, I think. I'd be subject to floor restraint for one and a half hours at a time, at least twice a day. I'd be injected with meds, um, I'd be NG tube fed, um, and I'd take really big overdoses. I was really, really poorly. Being a South Asian Muslim with autism, I felt very stigmatised. On my secure unit, I was the only young person who was brown and one of the very few young people to have autism. I felt very different to the other young people and experienced racism from other patients and staff. So Zizi, what was the shift in your recovery? I guess I eventually stopped resisting the system and began to engage in long-term therapy on my secure unit. I sorted through my traumas and learned a lot about myself. The, I guess the secure unit, it broke my walls down because of being long-term. It was life-saving and it was life-changing and I'll always advocate for that. 
I finally figured out my culture and my beliefs and what I wanted out of life, and that was to be a psychiatrist. And what has your journey been been like since? Yeah, so now I'm an award-winning mental health campaigner. I work with the Royal College of Psychiatry and I'm an executive at the International Association for Youth Mental Health, where I'll be hosting a conference in Copenhagen in 2022. I began lecturing at universities about my experiences and public speaking with the Institute for Mental Health. I won a Young Global Changemaker Award, a Diana Award, an Unsung Hero Award, a People's Choice Award, and I did a TEDx talk. I appeared on the BBC at least three or four times. I helped a youth mental health campaign to raise uh, what is now £1 million, which helped over 300,000 young people. Um, you know, Ida, you know, this is the podcast for Ida. I'm setting up this charity for young people with autism and emotion dysregulation. I also did my GCSEs in five months whilst I was in psych wards and then went on to do A-levels where I got really good grades and I'm now at university studying human neuroscience with view to pursue graduate entry medicine and become a psychiatrist. I wish to devote my life to helping young people with mental illness. I want to improve recovery outcomes and patient experience for those ex- experiencing severe and enduring mental illness. I'm a self-published author of Miscellaneous Memoirs of the Mad um, and have worked with uh, the Royal College of Psychiatry, NHS Confederation um, and more. I've worked with the Medical Research Council, the Wellcome Trust, the Mental Health Policy Research Unit where I co-designed and contributed towards academic studies into youth mental health interventions and early prevention of severe and enduring mental illness encompassing psychosis and personality disorders. I also uh, worked on an international public-facing anti-stigma campaign for personality disorders um, and um, contributed towards um, impacting change to senior policymakers. It's the only type of campaign in the whole of the world, really. Um, I've spoken with policymakers and clinicians to ensure that a local psychiatric unit is renovated, which I think generated about £4.8 million. I worked with the National Survivor User Network, Think for Brum, the National Autistic Society, Birmingham Children's Trust, Forward Thinking Birmingham, the Centre for Mental Health, the Speakers Collective, Changing Our Lives, just to name a few. So when you're not winning awards and campaigning, what do you generally, generally do? Throughout all these ventures that I've had, I'm a committed university student at the University of Birmingham. Um, like I said, I'm studying human neuroscience with you to pursue medical school shortly after. Um, With this, I'm hoping that I can become a commissioner and help young people with mental illness and give back to the community that healed me. I hope to engage in youth mental health research to influence policy and discover evidence-based interventions to treat severe and enduring mental illness. Um, Like I said, my goals are to to continue setting up this charity. So yeah, that's me. And what are your hobbies? In my spare time, which is minimal, um, I enjoy going to the gym, watching Marvel Cinematic Universe films, buying unicorn merchandise and being a sassy Dora the Explorer lookalike. Also, what is your final message to young people? So, my final message would be to take accountability for your actions. Everything that I did put me in the position that I'm in today. My trauma wasn't my fault, but healing was my responsibility. I want you to know that you don't need to sacrifice parts of yourself for other people's acceptance. For me, it was about time for me to grow my resilience or my emotional muscles. I found peace in exposing my abusers and finding my truth. I hope you can do the same. Trauma haunted me for many years, severing my trust with the whole world. Being labelled 
um, did, didn't give me closure, it gave me chaos. Um, I found um, in my life that recovery remained my best revenge. And it's the same for you. Recovery can is your best revenge. I would say that you can define your triumph and you can live a life worth living and you have a legacy to build. Thank you for listening to the EDA podcast. Tune in for more.